it's interesting, like if we just had an entire adult life of big, happy wall of sound, I doubt it would be remotely as fulfilling as those moments of tension and release, tension and resolve. In the symphony of life, it's easy to lose the beat and careen into noise. On today's episode, the case for work-life harmony and how this pivot from balance to harmony can shift our perspective and maybe even improve our lives. Welcome to She Wonders, produced by Bright House, where wondering leads to wonder, and wonder can change the minds of the people who can change the world. We're bringing together business and thought leaders to discover new insights to workplace issues. I'm Jess Noel, Senior Art Director at Bright House, and your host. Today, we'll explore a new term, work-life harmony. Our guest today is a Corey Johnson of OK Cello. He's a father, a husband, a cellist, and a composer. He's worked with artists such as De La Soul and Yairi and Big Boy. We're also joined by Andra London, Senior Director of Strategy here at Bright House. She's a singer, a mother, wife, and, in another life, a real Disney performer. Welcome, y'all. Hey, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. All right, let's get started. So just to give a, a little bit of context, the inspiration for this episode was a talk that Andra gave where she explained the differences between a life that is harmonious versus a life that is balanced. At least for me, when I think of balance, I think of two things. One is that there are two separate entities that you're trying to reconcile somehow and that the reconciliation should be equilibrium. And I don't think that's realistic in my life and, and perhaps in most lives, that I'm going to have 50% of one thing and 50% of another thing, and that's how I'm going to feel full and satisfied. So with that in mind, the way I think about harmony in work and life is just recognizing that these are not two polar ends of a spectrum or that's interesting. two separate worlds where I go into the office and I am at work and then I leave and I am in my life. It's like, well, work is a part of my life. I have colleagues who are friends. If things are frustrating at work, that comes home with me. I don't just shut that off when I'm home. And I think life takes work. You know, marriages take work. Managing a family takes work. I think errands are work. I like errands very little and I like my work very much. So I think that that there's a very blurry line for me in, in work and life. It's a yin and yang and it's going to ebb and flow. And I don't think that I have balance and I think that I strive towards harmony. The biggest like visual is the scale, right? And you try to make them even, but often you have to sacrifice something. Like you have to toss away something in order to achieve that balance. And what you're saying is I have to consider all of it. I can't just mute one or toss it away, but with harmony, I can turn the volume down on this <laughs> one and know that it's still there and I'll come back to it. And while the other volume is up, I think that's really, really interesting. So musically, how do you both define harmony? Um, I really think of harmony, at least initially, as a sympathetic resonance. One communication that is identical across three or four different voices, but they're just on different notes. And so that, to me, speaks to like a decent amount of agreement and accordance and collaboration, being in sync. Harmony is bringing together different instruments to create an outcome that is richer and more textured and more powerful 
than any one instrument could create alone. I like that. I love how you describe harmony as, as this agreement. So applying that to life, how do, you, how do you get all of the different voices to agree? The one thing I do think is central about harmony is that there is some kind of negotiation and agreement. Um, and if there are multiple parties, I think it's really important that that agreement is thoughtfully considered and implemented. As opposed to, I do this because I gravitate towards it and you do this because you gravitate towards it and we never really talk about it. So I think that overt agreement is really important, but also what you're talking about is partnership. In order to have harmony, you have to have partnership. So that, that partnership may be in the form of friendship or that partnership may be in the form of colleagues or it may be in the form of a community that you're a part of or a religious community or a, a youth group. Or, but I think that you need more than one instrument, more than one sound, more than one influence contributing to have harmony. And so other, otherwise, it's just a beautiful singular sound. And so I think there is importance in recognizing that we all need support wherever that may come from. A lot more improvisation in there, right? Is there's a, there's a, co- a cacophony of sound happening <laughs> yes. there that you then yes. have to consider. Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just for a moment, like thinking um, about your personal harmony, your individual harmony and that agreement, do you guys have a process to get to that agreement? Like, do you... Tell me, because I know. <laughs> no, but, but, but I'm just curious how both of you approach that in your personal individual harmony. Like, there's, a, there's an element of choosing a part. Like, <laughs> like you, you just can't sing all the parts. And more important than that, not every voice is built for every part. The honesty and the pragmatism of being clear about what you're good at, what you're not good at, being clear about what's important to you, what's not important to you. Um, and being clear, clear about the other thing that's interesting is what you can live with and what you can't live with, right? Because it's always great to talk about these ideal things, but like the day-to-day, um, like the day-to-day rhythm of life is like unrelenting. And if you're promising that you can live with something that you can't, then it doesn't really matter what your intentions are. It doesn't matter what your ambition is. Like you just got to be practical with that. And then once you've like done that thinking, I think to some degree, the hard part is then choosing, choosing a part. That part is just really resonating with me about when you decide, then you can put all of your energy into that and you can really let that part sing, right? Like you can really belt it out then and then know from what I'm learning in this conversation, right? Maybe this other part, the other decision that I didn't get to make, maybe it's still there and it's just kind of blending in with the rest of the sound and that can sing at a later point. But really deciding and having that conversation with yourself and being very honest sounds like is required for a really authentic harmony in your life. But the key is to understand what's the melody in your life. So what is going to be the focal point and the foundation that guides the other pieces that will interweave and come in and out in different moments When I think about it in music, you start with the melody and then you build and you layer in on top of that. So it gets back to prioritization in terms of what do you prioritize as the melody in your life? And I think that changes throughout your life. I think just like in a symphony where there's different movements and different movements have different tempos or moods 
and different instruments come in at different times. And some of the later movements may have themes that you're revisiting from earlier movements. I actually think that's a strong parallel with life, which is you have these different chapters in life. There will be different players at different times in your life. And some of the themes that appear later in your years are going to harken back to things that were there in your childhood. And I think the key is to recognize that altogether the symphony should sound and feel cohesive, but the melody can change and the priorities can change over the course of that symphony. I kind of want to move toward language because there's, and Andre, you brought it up about like the difference between harmony and balance and language, like different words can give different perspectives. This beautiful example that I found was that in some languages, every shade of blue is just blue. It's not robin's egg or, you know, you know, a, a Zuli blue. Yeah, or periwinkle or anything like that. But it's just blue. But when you have more words, it changes your perspective. Like you can actually see more of those colors. You can identify with your eyes those shades. And um, I think that's so, so interesting how the words that we choose can, can really shape how we make decisions and, and how broad our, our sights are. What you're describing, there's, there's an actual like, linguistic hypothesis. Mm-hmm. It's the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis that says language is not just an instrument to voice ideas or theories. It actually shapes them. And so if you choose to call it balance, you are going to strive for balance. So somewhere subconsciously, you in your actions will be looking to try to get to some place where there's equal parts of something. Whereas if you call it harmony, you will inherently strive for a different feeling. And so I think there is a lot of weight in the words that we choose to use. As a person who considers himself completely made up of words, like I, I live in that, in that idea, this, this theory and this idea that it is actually the words that you choose that prescribe the reality that you're able to live in. I don't know that I think we're done, right? From balance to harmony. Like I imagine that there probably are several words even further down the continuum that give greater dimension to our desire to kind of find peace. And I think there's something dangerous in both of those words, harmony and balance, because they imply that when it's right, there's the absence of discomfort. But if harmony is less so much a description of accordance and more a state of resolution from tension, then we have to acknowledge that the tension is as much a part of harmony as anything. And I think for me, what's interesting about the way that we're talking about life is that when I do give myself perspective to to look at the plot movements and I'm able to put them in conversation with plot movements in other chapters and perhaps together we're forecasting what the end of the story will be like it all makes so much sense right 
but it's when you're not thinking of your life as a story or a symphony or as uh, a phrase and a movement that's part of a larger symphony that you're like lost (laughs) because you're not thinking of the beginning and you're not thinking of necessarily where you're going to go. And does this moment of discord have some relevance to the ultimate story? All you can kind of focus on in the moment is like, this is discord and I don't understand it. But, you know, when you get a chance to practice a piece and you get stuck on a measure that doesn't make sense and then you play it with the orchestra, like, oh my gosh, that's what it's doing. Like sometimes these conversations are so necessary for giving you that perspective of, of, and this isn't something that's interesting. In isolation, something that seems out of sync Mm -hmm. seems like disharmonious, right? Yes. May actually be really an important part of the harmony when put in context with the larger story. Uh, yeah. Um, and so that's like, to me, that's really analogous of some of the moments of life, right? That you're in this moment and you can't really place this moment in context with the larger story, mm-hmm. but it invariably is mm-hmm. yes. just because that's how moments work. Like they are part of larger stories. And when you get that, you know, 30,000 feet off the ground, you're like able to look at the entire thing like, oh, and I love that lens that you just brought to it of like when you're in the moment of discord, it sounds so off and it feels so off. But I think when if you can get then to the resolution, that's all the more beautiful because you just experienced the discord and now it's now it's resolved. And that's where the harmony, that's where you get that perspective. I love it. So like it. music geeking out right now. Like they're, <laughs> they're all, oh, I love it. But I mean, I, I really, that my, my name of my second album is Resolve. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, the name of my second album is Resolve specifically because of this idea that the harmony that you, that you crave is most greatly appreciated after the tension that's introduced, right? And you don't really have that appreciation for harmony without that, exposure to tension resolving, right? So that's an interesting way of kind of understanding harmony. I mean, even as we were talking about it and I was reading the document for this this piece, I, I was beginning to kind of understand for myself that a life actually of harmony is really bland. This is so interesting to me. Like you introduce the tension and then you play in that tension. What happens when we're trying to harmonize with all the things going on? And then we hear that note that feels like it throws everything off. How do we play with that tension? Like, how do we explore around it? Can I answer this with my instrument? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so um, we've got this thing here. Let's just say we got an open G. And there are all these things that we can kind of put against it, but we also have relationships with sounds that tell us when things are happy or when they're sad. And whenever I kind of introduce this, people kind of identify this as sad or as uncomfortable. If I were playing in G major, which I haven't introduced any other notes, so just because I played a G doesn't mean that I would be in G major, but if I were playing in G major, which is what people think of more often than not when you hear a note, you'd think that this note doesn't sound right with it. But if I take and just lean into this tension and then I just do like. Changed at least the way I heard it, or the way I experienced it. And this, after a while, gets kind of boring, right? But if I go back to.
so for me, there is there's a real need, I think, for us as adults with agency to kind of acknowledge that like not only are there fewer wrong notes than we think, and at the end of the day, that explosion of resolve is like purposeful. For some people, it's religious. For some people, it's spiritual. But that certain tension is absolutely necessary for certain resolutions. I, I think about it the same way you do. And thinking about working towards the resolve to me is a big part of it, which is harmony is not passive. It's mm -hmm. active. Mm. And so you, when you're in a discordant moment and you're not sure where there's going to be harmony, hopefully you're experimenting a little bit and you may step on a note where you're like, ooh, that was not it. That did not make it better. <laughs> that amplified that bad sound. <laughs> but I think you may step somewhere that creates a sound that wasn't what you were going for, but it's actually not so bad. And it introduces something that's different. And harmony, when you're in it, is active. And as you move through it, it is continuing to change, as are you. You could pick a note and we could harmonize with it in dozens of different ways and combinations. And I think that makes the discordant moment, it creates for me optimism and hope because hopefully it means that there's more than one possible resolution here. And it's some of it is within my control, not all of it, but... I have some choices that I can make about how we're going to get there. Yeah, mm, I love that. And uh, I wonder what the word would be for the state of kind of qualitative appreciation of the process of traveling thoughtfully and acceptingly from tension to release. That's Work a word. Work-life symphony. Symphony. <laughs> Did we do that together? <laughs> <laughs> right? There it is. Can I place out? Please Can I place do that? out. Yeah. say for me, from this incredibly rich conversation, the biggest learning was that life has so many disparate pieces, it's kind of impossible to balance everything 50-50 100% of the time. So what's actually needed in the selection of a melody is a very deliberate choice in deciding which parts of your life should play the loudest and which parts can just blend into the background. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening to the She Wonders podcast, produced by Bright House. Be sure to check out our other episodes, where we explore issues like imposter syndrome and diversity and inclusion. <laughs>